This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. children of all ages welcome to the program the hip-hop prop is the name and of course segmentation targeting positioning and messaging is the game we call it stpm listeners you are to be saluted on a daily basis baby please this is sirius xm channel 132 business radio powered by the wharton school i am your host professor americus reed and yes i'm holding it down on these mean streets baby and we have tonight ladies and gentlemen a fantastic show lined up for you here's what we've got at five o'clock we're going to discuss this unbelievable controversy that's been going on around an ad that was put out by the Peloton brand. And it has blown up. So we're going to have that conversation with two gurus in the area of identity scholarship, gender research. We have Professor Susan Dobsha, a professor of marketing at Bentley University, and Professor Manita Sangvi, assistant professor of marketing at Skidmore College, who will join us to discuss this. There's a lot of things to unpack here. And this thing has been blowing up on social media and all over the place. So I want to start start off with this unbelievable example. I talk about it all the time, guys, all the time out there. Segmentation, targeting, positioning, and messaging. You've got to know your target group that you're trying to go after. And sometimes we use demographics to try to help us speak to customers. So gender is obviously one of these constructs or ideas out there, ways that we can characterize or describe consumers. And we might sometimes try to speak to different gender groups. And so this is a big part of marketing, but sometimes we screw it up. Sometimes we absolutely mess this up, and it seems as though marketers cannot seem to get gender sort of research marketing correct. They, they always seem to go to this shrink it and pink it kind of idea. It's screwed up. They don't know how to talk to women. And it's, it's been, we've seen some amazing examples of this. For example, 2012 or so, Circa, uh, Bic came out with a pin for women. They couldn't, I mean, they're marketing a pin for women. It was unbelievable, so much so that actually Ellen DeGeneres talked about it, laughed about it on her show. I was reading the back of the pack. Well, I had a man read the back of the package <laughs> to me. And it said it's designed to fit a woman's hand. This is all true. I'm not making any of this up. Designed to foot and fit a woman's hand. What does that mean? Like, so when we're taking down dictation from our bosses, we'll feel comfortable and we'll forget we're not getting paid as much? I don't know. Unbelievable stuff. So, guys, listen, this is a huge topic. And so Peloton messed this up. A few days ago, a huge controversy when they came out with an ad. It was unbelievable. An ad of a husband gifting a Peloton to his wife or to his partner for Christmas. And it absolutely blew up. And there was all kinds of conversation going on on Twitter and social media. And so I thought it would be absolutely incredible to bring in some gurus to discuss this. Uh, we have with us tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Susan Dobson, professor of marketing at Bentley University uh, and co-founder of an organization called GenMac, Gender research and marketing consumer behavior. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm very happy to have you here. And ladies and gentlemen, we also have Professor Manita Sangvi, Assistant Professor of Marketing at Skidmore College. Hi, Manita. How are you? 
I'm good. Thank you for having me, too. Excellent. I'm so excited to jump into this with you guys because part of my whole problem was trying to understand and unpack this in a way that does not reveal my own naivete with respect to agenda research. And so I want to start by just kind of talking. So help us understand some of the the consumer uh, almost bipolar reaction. We had people who were very upset, very angered, very offended. We also had people who were, oh, what's the big deal? I don't understand this. It seems to be almost two different camps. Susan Dobsha, talk a little bit about how you perceive this, the reasons why this was so, so, so emotional for uh, consumers commenting on this. Sure. So, it's interesting. Whenever these ads, like the BIC ad is a great example, and I think it's interesting. I think that's the most political Ellen has ever been on her show. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think it's. I think that was. It, it was interesting that that was the one time she decided to take a really strong political stance. Mm-hmm. But um, in the Peloton ad, I mean, it, this is just another classic example of how marketers continue to get gender wrong because they have these misconstrued sort of like tropes about women that they continue to trot out. And part of the problem is, is that we don't have a good system for having people push back except for, you Mm. know, Twitter wars Mm -hmm. and comments Mm -hmm. on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the other problem is, is that everybody has a gendered position. So Mm. everybody becomes an expert. (laughs) So like everybody's Mm -hmm. sitting on their couch, Mm -hmm. either taking one of three um, stances, they accept it. They accommodate, right? So acceptance is like, what's, you know, like, that's a great ad, and mm-hmm. I love Peloton. Mm-hmm. Accommodate is like, what's the big deal? It seems innocent enough, and mm-hmm. then reject, which is like, wait a minute, what's the underlying message here? And it's not a great message um, about women and domesticity and mm-hmm. gender dynamics in a marriage. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, and, and, and there, there is a stance to be taken that's like, what's the big deal, right? Mm-hmm. But if so many women are offended. I have my one friend who said she was actually triggered mm-hmm. by the ad. Then you have to you have to take a look at that. And then Peloton's reaction was so milk toast. You know, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. we're you know it was one of those we're sorry you feel bad kind mm-hmm. of responses. Mm-hmm. And so that made it worse. And then um, so as you well know, there's the initial screw up. And then there's the response. Mm-hmm. And both have to be, you talk about messaging, both of those have to be managed properly. And so, and so what's interesting is, is that, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, but Peloton recut that ad and put it up in pro football. Mm-hmm. And the husband's completely absent. <laughs> he is no longer in the ad. Mm-hmm. So it's just her on her Peloton. So there are a lot of things they could have done better in mm-hmm. that ad to get the message across. And if you look at their other messagings, like their previous ads, Mm -hmm. there was no controversy with those ads because they showed the sense of community and they showed the support system and they showed, you know, the, the, how the, the bike is effective and all of those are great messages. But when you foray into trying to create or construct a gender story, Mm -hmm. you really set yourself up to step in it. Unbelievable. Minia Sangvi, I want to turn to you. So help us, because uh, Susan points out three really interesting consumer reactions. She talked about acceptance, accommodation, and rejection. So unpack that a bit more for us in terms of what might be, uh, from a marketer's perspective, the way to to make sure you are vetting and not sort of stepping into this idea that what you may be trying to message might trigger some of these tropes that, that Susan has mentioned previously. Okay. Um, I 
I, I will do that. But I want to get to a little bit of a correction here, just because you mentioned Big for Her and the Peloton ad as two issues about gender in, in advertising and marketing. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we're marketing professors, right? So we have to nuance it a little bit. Um, Big for Her was a product issue um, where the, pers- the, the manufacturer was trying to make a product where none was needed. Mm-hmm. Peloton, however, the equivalent of that would be if Peloton made pink bikes and, mm. and were saying, hey, here are pink oh, bikes. Oh, that's interesting. Women. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But that's not what they were doing. Mm-hmm. What they were doing was making an ad that shows a husband who's buying this bike for his wife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if you saw the SNL skit about it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it seems to indicate, at least to most of the people where the controversy is on the Internet, mm-hmm. that he was trying to sort of indicate, you know, hey, you need to stay thin for me mm-hmm. or you need to stay thin for my interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what SNL said, um, you better keep it tighter than the babysitter. <laughs> oh, wow. That is over the top. So what you're saying, though, Manita, I want to make sure I'm understanding this in this characterization because a, a nuance is very important. I don't want the nuance to be lost in terms of what my listeners take away from this. You're saying that in the earlier case, there was no need for that. So in some senses, is this is this a worse example or a, a, a not as bad example because potentially there is a need for the product, but it's just the what, the inferences that are being made somehow in how it's being depicted to a particular uh, marketplace in that context of the dyad between the, the two partners was done wrong. Is that what you're saying, that somehow because of that, it's less bad than just coming up with something absolutely dumb, such as a product that doesn't really need to be in the market in the case of Beck or what? Yes, I think um, with Peloton, it's it's a very expensive but a great product. Um, but and, and their previous ads, you know, most people were talking about white privilege or just privilege in general because, mm-hmm. you know, they show these high-rise buildings and these mm-hmm. beautiful landscapes. <laughs> um, and that's been sort of more of the feedback that people have said, oh, wow, like, you know, who can afford a $2,000-plus bike? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this ad, right, there was the, the husband who was buying it for his wife. There was the issue of the daughter who's seeing her mom pedal, mm-hmm. right? And there's oh. the consumer socialization of like, oh, this is how women should be to attract, mm. you know, husbands and keep them. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, then there was the privilege piece, right? Because it still had the beautiful vistas and the, the big windows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see it more as an advertising issue and not as a, a product or, or, you know, a marketing issue. Interesting. Can I, I think... can I piggyback on that? Absolutely. Please go ahead, Susan. So, you know, most, I would say 99% of the products in the marketplace that use sex as a segmentation variable mm-hmm. are based on false differences. Mm. I mean, the reality is, is there's one little section of the of drugstores where sex matters. That's the <laughs> feminine hygiene products and the condoms. Everything else is based on false differences. Now, mm. that doesn't necessarily make it wrong, mm-hmm. but in the case of BIC, it went to the extreme by trying to make this argument that women have a different type of hand or size of hand, which mm-hmm. is just biologically incorrect. Mm-hmm. So that, that is a whole other piece that we talk about that I, I have often labeled just lazy marketing. Lazy like, marketing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's like, well, you know, like we don't know how to segment the market. So, oh, let's just make it male-female because mm-hmm. that's an easy thing to measure and that's lazy. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of, to me, just lazy marketing. Mm-hmm. Like somebody just wasn't doing their job. Somebody just this, was. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Go, The Peloton ad is where we get into, like, our gender scholarship Mm -hmm. and where we get into this idea of 
things like gender socialization, gender norms, gender roles, gender uh, uh, about status and and about representation and all that. And it's no wonder that companies don't get that right mm-hmm. because they are not schooled on these nuances that then blow up in their faces, and then they're all standing around going, "What? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what do you what do you mean it was sexist? You know?" And then you have, unfortunately, at the water cooler, everybody's got because everybody has a gendered perspective. Mm-hmm. Everybody has an opinion. So my boss said to me, who's an advertising professor, he's like, "I thought it was innocent, and I mm-hmm. thought, you know, if I if I bought my wife a bike, she wouldn't be mad at me." And so that's where gender scholarship or gender scholars get frustrated mm-hmm. because we've been studying this, and if someone just had asked us, mm-hmm. "Hey, mm-hmm. is this?" Is this ad going to cause a ripple in the marketplace? We'd all be like, yes, absolutely, <laughs> because we, we are able to we are able to get we, we can get in front of mm-hmm. those tropes. And, and Manita's right about like the, the presence of the daughters really weird. Mm-hmm. The fact that the, the, the husband's only there at the beginning and then the end. Like if you had seen him as being a, an equal partner, mm-hmm. like when she gets home from work, he takes her bags, mm-hmm. he gives her a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. he's a stay at home dad. Mm-hmm. You know, if we had if they had reframed the dad as not just this presenter of a gift and you know, listen, like my mom is from the 60s. She said, you know, husbands never give, you know, cooking products, cleaning products or fitness products to their wives mm-hmm. as Christmas gifts or all hell's going to break loose. Mm-hmm. So this falls into that. But but if you had if, if they had understand the sort of, you know, where we are now in a gender fluid, which is now in the Oxford Dictionary and right. a gender fluid world, right. you know, we're in the in the in the middle of a Me Too, you know, cultural shift, Mm -hmm. then if they had had constructed the male differently, then you would probably have seen a little, in my opinion, a little less backlash. Mm -hmm. We still, they still would not be addressing Manita's issues about white privilege and about, you know, that these are $2,300 bikes and, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that, you know, they're, they're a very suburban product because, you know, you don't want to be on your seventh floor walk up in the Bronx doing your Peloton at night because Mm -hmm. your sixth floor neighbors are not going to be too happy with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if they had, if, go ahead. Sorry, the product is the product, and, and you know, I mean, you have to have a certain amount of income to afford it. So sure, sure. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I mean, no, no. I agree with Susan. If if the husband had stepped onto the bike, if they were, and the previous ads and the other ads, they've shown people of color, you know, riding right. the bike. They've shown male and female people riding the bike. Right. Um. So so if the husband had said, "Hey, this is for both of us." And we are both going to use it. Mm-hmm. What a great message for the daughter, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, from a socialization perspective. Listeners, if you're just joining us, we are speaking to Professor Susan Dobsha, uh, Professor of Marketing at Bentley University, and Professor Manita Sangvi, Professor of Marketing at Skidmore College. And we are discussing uh, this this Peloton ad, which actually blew up. Maybe you have an opinion out there. Uh, listeners, 844-942-7866 uh, is the number if you'd like to call in and give us your perspective on what you saw in terms of that ad. I know that the the Peloton ad blew up, as our colleagues on the on, on the phone are talking about right now, so much so that there were all of these parodies and spoofs that were just absolutely hilarious in terms of sort of making fun of the lazy marketing that uh, Susan was talking about. Here's a clip of that. Okay, you ready? Yes. Now. A Peloton? Oh, my God. A $2,400 bike that does the exact same thing as a $200 one. Jeez. I love it. First ride. I'm a little nervous, but excited. Let's do this. I'm going to vlog all of my workouts for a year to justify the $39 a month. 
month additional membership now. I mean, what's interesting about this, uh, Susan Dobsha and Manita Sangvi, is that, you know, how would you guys react to the, the point that, because I hear this all the time, like, no, 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 no uh, even bad PR is, is, is good PR. How would you react to the, to the point of, uh, of individuals who would make the argument that, yeah, you know what, it was, it, was, it was a mistake, perhaps, but it garnered all of this earned media, if you will, quote unquote, and that the, the fact that it's being a, sort of making it into the cultural uh, milieu in terms of it being kind of a parody or, or something that is being made fun of must mean that it's not all that bad. What are your thoughts on reacting to that as kind of, you know, no, it's, you know, sort of really making us think that, uh, let me ask you just outright, when the, does this spoofing of things, does it trivialize the seriousness of the issue? Let me ask you that, Susan Dobsha. Well, let me, to your first point, I mean, you said, I think you said it on Twitter last week. I mean, look at their stock price. Mm-hmm. I, I wish we could put this finally to bed, this myth of all all PR is good PR, because we have so many examples of when that is absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. And yet my students still parrot that in class, you know, currently. Mm-hmm. So th- that absolutely is just... I mean, they their stock value plummeted. Now, granted, they, their stock's been struggling a bit. I, I looked at it a little bit, but um, after the IPO, but um, but it, it it tanked. I mean, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. people started running from the prop the value proposition that that stock was offering. So so I think we should just put that to bed. Mm-hmm. That, that no, and and in the era of spoofs and memes and all the other things and all the clever things that consumers come up with. That consumer generated content, mm-hmm. you 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 run an even bigger risk of stepping in it, like I'm saying, and 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 that's why it's so important for for people, marketing for or companies to hire people that have the sort of level of awareness mm-hmm. about. You know, things like we, you know, we sent you the article about status Mm -hmm. construction and things like that, about biases and things like that. Because if not, then they're just kind of left standing there, like, kind of holding this, like, bag of, like, huh? But the trivializing piece, I think, is really important, too, because, you know, I, I... you had sent me a couple things about people getting angry, and mm-hmm. there's been this sort of sideshow sort of academic critique of like, oh, <laughs> people are just getting randomly angry at things, and we have a cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I'm a gender scholar, so that I feel like it misses the whole point. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we have displaced anger right now at very large things. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to get angry at a Peloton ad because we can't get angry at the bigger things going on in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, so. I think the trivializing of it gives consumers this like outlet to out to to like relieve some stress and relieve some steam about just the bigger things in their lives. So if they can kind of make fun of this, then they they it you know reduces some of the stress of that they can't make fun of the bigger things in their lives. So it does trivialize it because what happens is is that the next time there's a gender controversy, people will just like lazily point to, oh, well, there they go again. Mm-hmm. Everybody's angry about something completely benign. Mm-hmm. And it and it denigrates the value that, you know, gender schol- that gender schol- scholarship brings to the table. I still think that gender is still so understudied and mm-hmm. so ignored in our culture, because if this had been something with race relationship or with uh, sexual orientation race relationship mm-hmm. or social class, then people would get it more, like people would see it more. But gender is still mm. so 
invisible, invisible as much as people are trying to make it visible. Interesting. Manita Sangvi, I want to turn to you and, and help us you know, build on what Susan's talking about, because I think I, I love this perspective Susan put out there and that you were also commenting on this notion of, you know, we, we everyone feels they have a, um, uh, a credible opinion on this, even though that they have not studied it. So help us give us some. Give us, I don't I want to call it Gender Scholarship 101 because I don't want to, you know, boil it down. But I do want to, like, help us become a little smarter uh, after this conversation. Those of us who just don't know anything about uh, the gender scholarship world and the, and the decades of research that have been going on. I know you guys sent two excellent articles, which I will also post on our website uh, to share with listeners. But I want you to start talking us through the framework. The how, how, how do we reimagine the construct and the ideas that are associated with it in society so that we can help become better at understanding? Understanding it, but also not making these kinds of stupid mistakes. What are your thoughts, Manita Sangvi? Um, so, first thing, with back to the Peloton piece, uh, I think it would be really great to see how their numbers end up for their December, like their uh, winter sales. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be a good way of seeing if if the ad, you know, if the all PR is is good PR or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regarding your question right now and how to market to women, I guess is what you're asking right you 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 two but you two are gender scholars and you are gurus steeped in the, in the rich uh conceptual and empirical analyses that make up this this is a field and so help help me to understand being experts in subject matter experts and gurus in this field start taking us through kind of you know what are the key things that how do we how do we make sure how, what is lacking in our understanding that makes a lot of these ideas invisible to us so that we're unable to detect the problematic aspects that might be as part of our messages well i mean that's a huge question um but the, the most important piece is that oftentimes, you know, um, women are not at the table mm, when mm-hmm. uh, the ad agencies are making these decisions or when uh, companies are making these decisions. Um, they're off, their opinions are often not treated equally. Um, we on, on our genmac.co mm-hmm. uh, website, we have started a, a list on uh, how to market to women. Oh, nice. And uh, it's in dynamic list. It keeps growing as people give suggestions. But, you know, some of the things we talk about is treat women as equals. Uh, Don't show them as like dumb women or like just as housewives or, you know, just people who consume products. Um, Women are smart, but but also don't show doofus dads. Mm. You know, like that's a very common trope that Mm. they have in in advertising and what Susan calls lazy marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, And what it does, it it gives men social validity. Mm -hmm. And this is going back to the article that we sent you Mm -hmm. um, about being bad at domestic work and parenting. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we are in almost 2020. We can have two caring, smart Mm -hmm. parents Mm -hmm. who can make good decisions, and, and we don't need to show one person as stupid or, or one person as smart. Mm-hmm. And I think what's also interesting, I want you guys to comment on this as well, is tr- trying to overcome a lot of these stereo- I get tropes and stereotypes where it's like, well, you know, the, 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 I, here's, what, here's something that I heard a woman say. 
uh, as part of uh, a, a commentary she was giving. She she was saying this, and I want to get your comment on this because it was very interesting, and I think you guys might have issue with this. But she was saying that we all have masculine and feminine uh, components to who we are. You know, the masculine piece is the cognitive, rational, uh, thoughtful, purposeful piece, and the feminine piece is kind of the the more heartful. Uh, she didn't use the word emotion, but you see where I'm going with that. And I thought to myself, wow, it's like why are we putting the word? You know, why are we kind of saying, well, men are men are thought you know the, the man's side is the is the economically rational side mm-hmm. and the woman's side well that's the more emotional side and you know the feeling side I mean what comment on that because I, I thought that was like wow is like because as I have my my eyes are opening now I would not have had necessarily a reaction to that except after having had the conversation the pre-conversation this uh, conversation with you guys over Twitter to say wait a minute that in itself in itself might be actually kind of wrong comment on that if you could Susan Dobson. So- yeah, so let me let me speak to that. A um, couple couple things are kind of uh, I have a couple issues with that. One is is that a gendered world produces a gendered brain, mm. so not mm-hmm. the other way around. Mm-hmm. A gendered mm-hmm. brain is not producing a gendered world, mm-hmm. and so and marketing contributes to that perpetuation of the gendered world. Mm-hmm. That that comment is gendered mm-hmm. and it's historically first of all it's historically inaccurate because there's plenty of um, exceptions to the rule if you met my mother you would you would see the exception to the rule mm-hmm. for example mm-hmm. and so um, so there's there's many many counterexamples to that to those stereotypes about masculine and feminine mm-hmm. the bigger problem with that commentary is that the masculine position is still privileged. Uh, mm-hmm, so if, mm-hmm. if the feminine qualities, which I'm not buying into because we have lots of data to show that's not true, mm-hmm. but if, if these were true and masculine, masculinity is X and femininity is Y, mm-hmm. the problem is, is ma- the, the, the masculinity qualities are still the ones that are valued yes. in the culture. Interesting. And mm-hmm. the feminine qualities mm-hmm. are still not valued mm-hmm. in the culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the, the social space or the company or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so so it, 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 it's not enough to say that we all have masculine and feminine qualities because those are those are socially constructed, mm-hmm. socially constructed views of the world based on a lot of old sexist science. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, getting back to your point about, like, where do we start? You know, one good place to start is to ha- make sure people know the difference between biological sex, gender, which is an identity, and sexuality, which is a way of living, you know, who mm-hmm. you love and who you choose to, you know, buy a house with. Mm-hmm. And the, I think a lot of people need to understand that distinction, that the biological sex, like I said, 99% of products don't impact biological sex differences because mm-hmm. it's really just based on our reproductive organs. Mm-hmm. The other, you know, the under 99% of the gender differences you see in the marketplace are mm. based on these sort of like presentations of masculinity and femininity, um, which again, we, we have to sort of unpack and critique. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the article we sent you about sports, I mean, women who do sports are at a double disadvantage because A, they're viewed as weaker and viewed as not as good in the sport 
But when they get better at the sport than the man, say they run faster or they, you know, run farther or whatever, mm-hmm. then they're denigrated. <laughs> and, you know, right. And mm-hmm. then and in the article, you know, like the women that were we that were talking about the women that are good at mountain climbing get called lesbians mm-hmm. because that's some weird criticism that makes that, that's denigrating. So and the other the third piece is, is that beliefs many, many times beliefs equal biases. So our beliefs about things really have a lot of bias baked into them, but they're implicit so people don't know that they're that they're baked in. Mm. And so unless we once we start to create or, or teach people about explicit uh, about implicit bias and make it explicit, mm-hmm. like a lot, I don't know if what's going on in your school, but at my school, we do a lot of training on mm-hmm. implicit bias mm-hmm. um, using the, um, you know, IAT and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, but but we also have to teach consumers um, about implicit bias because otherwise they end up you know, choosing products that are viewed more masculinely because they view men in the in reality or in the workplace or in their lives more favorably. Interesting stuff. Susan and Manita, thank you so much for joining us. And I really appreciate you guys. It was great having you uh, both on the show. And I hope you'll join us again. All right. Yeah, We'd love course. to come back. Thank you. Excellent. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Oh,